This is the Bullpen Brothers. Welcome to the first edition of the Bullpen Brothers. Randy Heights and Reeves Mitchell. This baseball podcast is going to focus on college baseball for the most part. We'll get into Major League later in the year. But Reeves and I will talk a lot about Big 12, Oklahoma, Oklahoma State, get into everything. And, of course, what better way to start our podcast than we'll have Mike Rooney as our first guest of the podcast in episode one of Bullpen Brothers. And we're bringing in Mike right now as we're working through. There you go. Hey, Mike, you there? Yes. Mike Rooney from D1 Baseball. This is Randy Heights. Mike, I got Reeves Mitchell alongside, and I want to thank you for joining us on the podcast today. But I want to talk a little bit about college baseball, not only from the Big 12 perspective, but national level, and getting your thoughts on how the scope of college baseball has changed, not only with the money involved, but NIL. How do you feel that has changed here over the last couple of years? Yeah, I think the NIL part is hard. I'm going to actually punt the NIL part because I think it's hard to evaluate it. You know, like I I read a quote somewhere where an athletic director said, you know, the one thing we know about NIL is that it's all lies, right? And so uh, that's probably not true, but, you know, the numbers are always exaggerated and, you know, who knows who's getting what and that type of thing. But I'll tell you what I think, you know, and at the end of the day, it's it's more – you know, more compensation for college baseball families as they try to pay for college, and we're all for that. I think what's really changed, though, is the game has really blossomed from an interest standpoint. You know, it's become an attractive television property. Uh, You know, ESPN has fallen in love with college baseball, which is awesome. And I guess you could argue ESPN has been, had a great relationship with college baseball for a very long time. I think the other thing is that, you know, Rob Manfred, the commissioner of of MLB for as, you know, heavily criticized as he can be. I think he has recognized that, Hey, we've got this incredible feeder system for professional baseball. That is college baseball. Why are we competing with those guys? Like, why wouldn't we just create a great partnership here? And the, the net net of that is you're seeing so many more high school players go to college before starting their professional career and Major League Baseball not fighting that, but the opposite, embracing that, uh, in, in fact, encouraging that. So I think that's, the, you know, the game has just naturally grown. The interest in it is, is, is really grown and blossomed. And I think Major League Baseball's attitude towards college baseball has, you know, th- this is more recent now, but it, that, that's been a huge positive as well. You know, one thing to follow up on that question, because you talk about Major League Baseball really adopting it, how do you feel that may have had some decision in Major League Baseball cutting back on the minor league system? Because 60% of the rosters, I believe, on opening day last year were college guys. And to your point, it feels like more and more guys that you wouldn't have seen in college in the past are now attending, whether it's junior college or four-year schools. Yeah, I mean, I think at the end of the day, what Major League Baseball said is we've got all these minor league you know, affiliates. And first of all, we, prof- we you know, we being Major League Baseball, do, do not profit from them. They're privately owned. We, you know, the own Major League owners suck up a lot of the cost of that. And the real uh, impetus behind Minor League Baseball is trying to give these high school players a very long runway to try and become Major League players. And obviously, the road from college player to Major League player is, is a long one, let alone for a high school player. And so I think at the end of the day, the, the, you know, Rob Manfred and Major League Baseball assistant said, 
man, this is just all this expense. And at the end of the day, when we look at the high school players that make it to the big leagues, they're almost always the first-round picks. So what are we doing? Like, what are we signing 18th rounders for? And then not only in investing these 18th rounders who don't really have a great experience in professional baseball, we, we create all this infrastructure around them, and then like 1% of them become a real big leaguer. Like, what's the point of all that? And I think, you know, again, my bias has to be accounted for. I'm, you know, obviously a huge college baseball advocate. And I, you know, I'm not here to say that Mike Trout needs to go to college. But I am here to say that the 18th rounder needs to go to college, um, and that doesn't have to be Division One. It could be Division. It could be Division Two or NAIA or junior college. I think junior college baseball is phenomenal. So yeah, I think you're exactly right. I think the shrinking of the minor leagues was, in, you know, those those things go hand in hand. Hey, Mike Reeves here. There's a little bit of this old-headed view, I would say, in the MLB, especially how when players uh, jump from high school to the MLB. I was just wondering your thoughts. Do you think MLB front offices are still leaning towards the uh, memo of we don't want these kids to jump, we, we want to take them specifically from high school, or do you think – you were talking about it a little bit earlier, but do you think they're becoming more prone to saying we don't think college is going to ruin this uh, high school kid as a stud? Can I get your thoughts on that? Yeah, I think, I mean, I think every, you know, there's 30 front offices and every front office operates a little bit differently. I think the teams that, um, the teams that are, are less risk averse are going to be more apt to sign college players. And I think the teams that have a little bit more appetite for risk are going to sign more high school players. But I, you know, I, I think, I don't know. I always think of it this way, like, you know, before these changes, you know, we were probably averaging, you know, between 150 and 180 um, high school players per year were signing professional baseball contracts. And just think about how crazy that is. Like zero high school players go from, uh, you know, go right to the NBA. Now that's going to change, but it's not going to be 150. And the NFL is, you know, it's zero. You got to go to college first. And I get that those people don't, those, those sports don't have minor league systems, but then we look at ourselves in baseball and we're thinking, Hey, there's 150 high school players out there that are ready for the rigors of professional baseball. There's no way. Now, you know, if you want to tell me, Hey, there's 30 kids per year that are ready to skip college and go to the minor league. I've got an appetite for that. That makes sense. Like, you know, Mike Trout and those types of guys. Yeah. I mean, you can see that. You can see that. And they and some of them fail too. So, but I, I do think it's uh, we're I'm painting with a broad brush there. There are some organizations that they they like the um you know they they they, they, they like the risk and reward of that that elite elite high school player. And then there's you know there's other there's other teams that are like hey even in the first round, the college first rounders hit at more than twice the percentage that the high school first rounders hit and so i'm going to play those odds so i i think it, it, it's kind of like different flavors of ice cream there but you know just the, the overall trend is you're seeing more and more talented players headed to college hey mike we're just a, you know around two weeks away from opening day of college baseball season which i like to call christmas day for me you know college baseball is yeah. one of the best times of the year and I, i'm a loyal subscriber to d1 baseball and what i was wanting to talk to you about is when you look at the top 25 this year it seems like some of the regulars are there but teams like lsu 
knew how to play the portal market, and they seem to be everyone's unanimous number one this season. Yeah, I mean, I think it's so interesting that that LSU has been, you know, they, they really had a great run under Paul Maneri. I mean, won a national title and almost won a second one. You know, I, I'll never forget this one streak where Paul Maneri and LSU, they were a top eight national seed six straight years. I mean, that's like having six straight perfect regular seasons. I mean, where you don't get tripped up and you don't suffer injuries. But, you know, Jay Johnson has come in and, you know, just the excitement is at a different level. And, you know, Jay is just one of those guys, you know, he's a college baseball savant. You know, like he, he loves the sport and he's in the weeds. And Jay has figured out the portal. He's figured out NIL. He, you know, it, it's so funny for a West Coast guy, him and the LSU fan base are, you know, just perfect together. So, you know, obviously with what LSU had coming back anyway, and, you know, again, that those were Paul Maneri players. Um, those were players that were recruited under Paul's leadership. And then you start sprinkling some of these kids in the portal, and the things that held them back a little bit last year were, you know, pitching, defense, and, you know, not only have they improved in those areas, you could, you could say that they've actually gotten excellent in those areas. So, yeah, I mean, you've got Tennessee is kind of like the old, you know, Miami Hurricanes of the 1980s, this team with incredible talent and swagger and, um, they're just, you know, they, they just play a, a beautiful brand of baseball. So, you know, you've got that rivalry and then you've got Vandy that's, you know, and I'm being SEC centric right now, but yeah, I mean, I just, you can go all over the place and there's just, it's, it's a cool time. You know, the, the portal has been, uh, you know, some would argue it's not good for the game. So others would say it, it is good for the players, but it certainly has generated a lot of excitement. Mike, we're in Big 12 country down here, so obviously i got to ask you about the conference a little bit. Uh, who are some teams yeah. potentially in the Big 12 that you see making a run at going to Omaha this year? Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, if you maybe order the teams in the Big 12, I would start with Oklahoma State. I think that I, I love their team. You know, it's, it's weird. The, the theme in the Big 12 that's so fascinating is, I mean, almost every team is replacing their entire rotation. I mean, it's going to be a brand new look on the mound, which is just fascinating that all these teams are resetting all at the same time. I just, you know, I, I love Oklahoma State's position player group. I thought they were an Omaha team last year, but, you know, sometimes the NCAA tournament, you just can't catch a break. And, you know, think about Oklahoma State. They draw Arkansas, who was a preseason top five team, and that's the two seed in your regional. I mean, you know, what are you supposed to do with that? That's tough. TCU, I think, is very interesting. You know, it's another good club. Brayden Taylor, their third baseman, is excellent. They've got a lot of good players. You know, same thing, a little bit newer on the mound. Texas is very interesting. You know, I mean, David Pierce has got basically a brand-new coaching staff. Uh, not basically, he does. He's got a brand-new coaching staff. They've got talent, but it's just a lot of unproven commodities. You know, I, I think Oklahoma is similar to Texas where – we know they have recruited a very nice team, but it's just hard to know what's going to happen with so many, you know, so many new faces. And, uh, you know, I think Reggie Willis, you know, is now the associate head coach at Oklahoma. He's just, tra he, he, it was a transformation what he did with their offense last year. And we know Skip is excellent with pitchers. And, you know, again, I haven't even mentioned Texas Tech, who, you know, heaven forbid you fall asleep on those guys they're always going to be good I love that Dan Fitzgerald has come in as the new head coach of Kansas I think he's going to do an excellent job 
And um, yeah, I, I, I it's just up and down. I, I think it's a really good baseball league. I mean, I think at the end of the day, um, people are always curious about the Big 12. And then when you look at the end of the season, there's always one or two clubs in Omaha. I don't think this year will be any different from that. Hey, Dave, real fast. I know our friend Dave helped set up this interview with you. He's got a quick question for you before he gets out of here. Hey, sure. Mike, good to talk to you. Uh, you know, we got Oklahoma, you too. Oklahoma and Texas are eventually going to make this move to the SEC. Where do you see them sliding in in terms of facilities, recruiting, and standings in terms of college baseball? Yeah, I think it's, uh, you know, certainly Texas and Oklahoma, the best versions of them can play with the SEC teams. They've proven that. I think Texas will be, you know, fine in all regards. You know, there's, uh, you know, I, I think it's a seamless transition. I mean, Oklahoma, as we sit here today, their facility would be, you know, just it would be it would be dead last in the SEC, if not for Missouri. Um, and so tons of work to be done there for Oklahoma. But that is their plans. They have plans to build a gorgeous facility. So, you know, I, I guess not that I don't believe that that will happen, but. To my knowledge, they haven't broken ground yet. Now, maybe they have, and I'm just wrong there. But I would would say that Oklahoma uh, knows they need a better facility headed to the SEC, and and they're prepared to do that. They just, they're going to have to do that, or else it's going to be, it's, you know, it could get ugly over there. I I, I think, guys, that's the, the, the thing we can't figure out. I mean, here's the crazy part. If you look at this new SEC that's, that's going to happen in 2025, that league, which is going to be a 16-team league, that was six of the eight spots in Omaha last year. And I know that's an aberration, but it's just crazy to think about. So the questions in my mind, and, and this, these questions become important for Texas and Oklahoma, is, okay, how many SEC teams are getting in the tournament every year? Is it 10? Is it 12? I don't know. You know, because if it's only 10, man, that, that is – I mean, I know we experienced this in our preseason rankings. You know, you can't rank every SEC team. And we ended up leaving out Auburn and Mississippi State. And you're thinking, okay, Auburn's been to Omaha like two of the last four seasons. And Mississippi State won a national title a couple years ago. We can't even get them in the top 25. So, yeah, it's going to – I mean, that league is so unforgiving uh, right now. But, uh, you know, the best versions of Texas and Oklahoma, they can hang with those teams. Hey, Mike, you're not wrong. Haven't broken ground yet, but I do expect something by the end of next spring, hopefully something going down in Norman as far as a new stadium. But, Mike, just a couple quick questions for you when you talk about the Big 12 Conference. You kind of broke down all the teams. When you see this Oklahoma team, from talking to people, they feel like maybe they don't have the front-line talent as far as a Cade Horton, you know, that first-round draft pick. But they feel like this team might be a little deeper when it comes to bullpen arms and really arms in general. Is that kind of the area when you look at Oklahoma's teams that right now you need to see them prove it before you can move them into a top 25 slot, that pitching staff? Yeah, I think like Oklahoma's one of those teams where whenever a team loses big, big stars, they're almost impossible to rank in the preseason because you just don't know the new name. And, you know, but they're still, you know, Jackson Nicholas is a really nice player. Uh, Wallace Clark's a really nice player. I mean, I think, you know, Kendall Pettis really broke out in the postseason last year. I think John Spikerman's a superstar. But you lose Peyton Graham and Cade Horton and, you know, Jake Bennett, et cetera, et cetera. You know, that there is going to be a wait and see. Those kids 
played huge, huge roles for this team last year. So, I, you know, I, I think, you know, Cale Davis is really talented, but he's been, a, you know, he's been good, not elite. And so now he's going to be the Friday night guy for Oklahoma. I, there, there, it's not a lack of talent, that's for sure. These are talented kids, and we know Skip can, can get the most out of pitchers. Uh, but, but again, these are, these are new faces in new roles. And, you know, in the case of like a Cale Davis, that, that's a big role. He's going from like reliever and not even like closer, but, you know, uh, an important reliever to Friday night in the Big 12. That's a massive, massive jump. I just wanted to ask you about the style of play that Skip Johnson was able to implement at OU last year. They call it chaos down in Norman, but you, you know how it works. Uh, the hit and run, steal a lot of bases, move the guy over, stuff like that. I just want to get your opinion on, do you think that's a sustainable way to play for years to come? Well, I, as a fan, I, I, I would say, heck yeah. You're like, I love it. Yeah. It, it's, uh, you know, and again, I, I mentioned Reggie Willis a minute ago, like that was a huge get, you know, I mean, you think about that Reggie Willis, who's, you know, an all time great player at Oklahoma. I mean, he was in the big leagues. He was on the New York Yankees coaching staff. And so for him to come back and run the offense at OU, first of all, I think it's a great compliment for the school and the program and the league that a guy would want to do that. It's a great compliment for college baseball, really. And then, you know, I I would say, you know, your question was, is it sustainable? I think it's a very fair question. But, man, like, I would say, let's look at last year. I mean, they nearly won a national title playing that style of play. So not only do I think it's sustainable, I think it's really hard to defend against. There are not very many teams that play that style anymore. So it really pressures the other team. In, in two ways, it speeds up the opponent, and it's something they don't see week in and week out. So I love it. It's really, I think from a fan perspective, it's really easy on the eyes. I mean, it's fun. It's exciting. It's up-tempo. Our, my, you know, my buddy from D1 Baseball, Aaron Fitt, watched Oklahoma play, um, I think it was one of the Texas Rangers instructional teams, and, you know, he reported it was like, it was like 12 stolen bases in the first three innings. Oklahoma's running all over the Rangers minor league kids. And so, um, yeah, I, I love it personally. I think it's very sustainable. It's, 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 um, it reminds me a little bit of the Fullerton teams back in the day, uh, but it's actually even more up-tempo than that. So, yeah, I'm all in on it. I, I, hope, I hope Coach Willis does not stop doing that. Yeah, I don't think you'll see any of that stopping for Oklahoma anytime soon. Mike, Oklahoma State, the other team in the state, want to get into them just a little before we let you go here on the Bullpen Brothers podcast. But when you look at Oklahoma State, I know they made a regional last year. They played in the regional final. But one that I felt was kind of a down year for them, but they seem to have done some stuff in the transfer portal, bringing in the kid from Long Beach State that I think is going to head the rotation. What do you think of the Cowboys this year? Yeah, I mean, you think about it, getting Nolan McLean back was huge. You know, it's like getting two players back. And, you know, he's a fourth-round pick and, and just, for whatever reason, couldn't agree to terms. So that's huge. Uh, Nolan McLean's a great player. Uh, he's a great pitcher. He's probably a big league pitcher, but he's a great position player for college baseball. You know, I, I, Rock Riggio is a star. Um, you know, Marcus Brown has turned into a dynamite shortstop. Uh, I, I think their position player group will be really good. I, I think Oklahoma State is, they've just, to your point, they've taken to the portal. By the way, they're, they've got a kid they're projecting in the left field who is a really big recruit. I'm going to find his name in a second. There it is, Nolan Schubart. You know, really physical left handed hitter with big time power. So that's a name to look out for. You mentioned the kid from Long Beach State. 
Duran, Watts, Brown. You know, I, is he ready to be a Friday night guy for Oklahoma State? I don't know about that yet, but it's certainly Friday night talent. The kid they got from BYU, Jansen Kiesel, I would argue he also has a Friday night arm. Uh, but maybe the stuff is not quite does not miss as many bats as Watts Brown stuff does. But again, those were two premium arms to pick up in the portal, and you know they love this freshman Brennan Phillips. I don't know. I, I just I feel like Oklahoma State's in a really good place right now. Start you, you know 2019, they easily could have been an Omaha team. You know they had that just Donnie Brook of a, a super regional with Texas Tech and Lubbock where. The three games were decided by a total of four runs. And then, you know, last year, even with some injuries, you know, if they, if they don't get knocked off by Arkansas, I think they take, I think they beat North Carolina and go to Omaha. Uh, but, you know, again, sometimes the draw is the draw, and, and what are you going to do? And I, I don't know, I'm very bullish on Oklahoma State. The pitching does have to come together, but that's the case for the whole league, uh, and I really like their position player group. Mike, even though it was a letdown postseason for Oklahoma State last year, I would still say they played some of the most electric games in postseason baseball last year. Uh, their games with Arkansas were absolutely nuts. And also the Missouri State game when they were down 16-1, 17-1 or something like that and came back and won, that was unreal. Incredible. Yeah, that was one of the best regionals I've ever seen in my life. I mean, it was, you know, obviously I was doing that squeeze play thing where we're doing the whip around, and you could joke that there was no whipping around. Like, we were just in – Stillwater the whole time, right? It's like, how could you leave? There was no other regional go to go watch. It was, yeah, it was like nothing you've ever seen. It was uh, uh, just incredible. Like you were just heartbroken that somebody had to lose that regional. Um, but yeah, I- incredible. Never seen anything like it. Just awesome. And then the whole thing with Rock Riggio, the second baseman sprinting around the bases, and that was a big deal on Twitter. A lot of the old head baseball guys were saying that was unprofessional or whatever, but I just wanted to get your take on that whole situation. And he returns this year and is going to be one of the better players in the Big 12. Well, yeah, I think he's going to be one of the better players in the country. I mean, just, you know, incredible player, incredible talent. You know, the thing that I was reminded of recently that people, myself included, have, have forgotten is that Rock Riggio was drafted out of high school, came to Oklahoma State, and dealt with a, a shoulder operation uh, almost immediately upon getting to school. And so in the first, if you look at Riggio's overall numbers last year, they're okay. They're not, they're not elite. But remember, the first two months of the season, he's playing with a shoulder that he had just rehabbed. And so you look at his last you know, two months of the season, and you're talking about an All-American player. And so, yeah, I'm, I'm with you. I, I think he's a star. I think he is, you know, if you pin me down, I think he's Oklahoma State's best player. He may be the best player in the conference. No doubt, Mike. I, I fully agree with you. We're going to let you go here in a second. I got one final question for you. You mentioned squeeze play. I mentioned opening day and opening weekend is like Christmas Day, but I don't know if there's anything better than that opening weekend of NCAA regional play when you guys are on squeeze play. You know, kind of what's some of your most memorable moments because that has to be a ton of fun to host that show for four straight days or three Oh, straight yeah, days. it's awesome. It's, it's so cool. I try. I can't place the games, but, like, we had one moment uh, a couple years ago where it was like we went to we went to four consecutive games and saw four consecutive home runs you know that that Oklahoma State uh, Arkansas Stillwater Regional last year is another one that comes to mind um, you know that the, the thing that's that's awesome about it is you know you, you get in there and you're in there all day the, the the night that really stands out to me always is Saturday night is always electric in there because you've got the two teams that are one to know that are coming together, 
uh, you know, it's, and there's always stories that, that pop up that you don't, uh, that you don't know about. Like I'll, I'll never forget a couple of years ago, Quinnipiac, little Quinnipiac out of Connecticut is playing East Carolina. It's the one versus four game and they beat them and they've got this big kid, Liam Scalafaro looks like he's 38 years old and, you know, bounces at a nightclub in his off time. And, you know, he's hitting home runs in that thing. And, you know, just so, so things like that pop up and, yeah, you don't, it, it, you know, it's kind of like that Forrest Gump thing. You don't know what you're going to get, but it, you know it's going to be great. So, um, yeah, that that is, uh, it, it does require a lot of caffeine, but it's worth it. Totally worth it. I have one final question for you, and we'll let you go. When you look sure. at this upcoming baseball season, we all know about the top 25, all your name programs that are out there. What's maybe one that you look at, whether it's in a big conference or, you know, like the Big West that's not one of the quote-unquote power fives, that you think could be a sleeper around the country that not many people are talking about. Ooh, that's a good question. You know, I think I think some of those some of those programs kind of they they, they run in the same circles. I mean, the obvious answers are schools like um, Dallas Baptist, Southern Miss, Gonzaga, Connecticut, uh, UCSB, Santa Barbara's. You know, they've become a dominant program on the West Coast. Now they're a little on the younger side this year. I actually would answer your question a little bit in leagues. You know, like I think if you're looking for something under the radar, the Sun Belt has kind of become the new American where when the American first started, they're getting four teams in the tournament every year. And and that has kind of um, come back to the pack a little bit. Uh, the Sun Belt has exploded as a space league. Remember, Southern Miss is in the Sun Belt this year, as is Marshall and Old Dominion. And James Madison, Old Dominion's a really good program. So the Sun Belt has become this baseball powerhouse. I think they'll be a four and five bid league. The other league that that I just wrote them up recently, but the the WAC, the, the the Western Athletic Conference, has become this really interesting league. You know, Grand Canyon has a kid who's going to be a top ten pick, Jacob Wilson, their shortstop. He's a first team All American, which is you know the weird for kind of a small Christian school in West Phoenix. Um, and then Sam Houston is in the whack right now. Cal Baptist is a school in Riverside, California that's excellent, and they are Division One eligible right now. So, and and the whack got two bids last year because Grand Canyon got that large bid. So I'd give you I'd give you a couple of those types of leagues right there. Um, but you know I, I will tell you guys that it's getting harder and harder for the the kind of non P fives because you know leagues like the Big Twelve and the SEC. They're, they're just they've exploded in baseball i mean they just they take it i mean you, you guys know look at oklahoma state stadium i mean come on that place is the it's tampa ridiculous. bay rays would love to have that yeah no it's ridiculous i mean i started watching baseball in the 80s early 80s and it's amazing to see how facilities have changed mike over just the last 10 years i mean the amount of money being expensed on baseball right now in big conferences is off the charts yep agreed Hey, Mike, I want to thank you for your time. Hopefully we get you on some other time in the season and talk a little more college baseball. What you guys do at D1 Baseball, it's a credit to the sport, and I'm a subscriber. I love it. It's great content, and I know when Oklahoma jumps into the SEC, next year you'll have a lot of people joining in that SEC Extra as well that you guys just started. We appreciate you supporting us. Thank you. All right, thanks a lot. That's Mike Rooney here on the Bullpen Brothers. Mike, talk to you later. Take care, boys.